Today we'll check in with Emer King. She's the new voice on the future of photography and I'll go into photographic travel preparations, including camera time zones and some really nifty Lightroom stuff so you can focus on the really important things. Tips from the top, from the top floor, tips from the top, all right, from the top floor. Hey, hello and welcome, it's Chris Marquardt. You're listening to Tips from the Top Floor. Ah, it's summertime. Hey, the sun is out. The bees are in the garden. This year we've done some gardening here in the Viewfinder Villa, more than last year. We planted tomatoes. and They are beginning to bring in some yield, which is amazing because they taste so much better than anything that we could buy in the stores. Our zucchini are coming along nicely. This is not hard because zucchini just, yeah... They just take over. Um, there's some cucumbers. There's lots of herbs and stuff. So, yeah, we love cooking. And having your own veggies, at least some of them, is kind of awesome. Um, the heat wave isn't... Well, okay, it's the hottest summer and everything. But the heat wave, just from a, from a personal point of view, it's isn't quite as bad here. Uh, at least not here in the Viewfinder Villa. And while we don't have an air condition here which the majority of homes in Germany do not have air conditions. Just not a thing here. Um, but yeah, the Viewfinder Villa is an old, old building. It's from 1905 and the walls are made from rock and brick and they're thick. So uh, it takes days for the heat to penetrate the walls. So inside, it's actually quite okay. <laughs> the, only, the only problem is the walls store that heat energy and then when it gets cooler outside, we have to really get a draft going in here to get that heat out but yeah this is i'm not complaining it's i love this place and um, just a couple of days ago i had this nice photographic experience that you can only have in summer uh just around the corner here there's a field with sunflowers and i passed by and i stopped and just went into the field had a look at uh the flowers from close up and there were bees and bumblebees collecting pollen and I didn't have my camera with me, which, again, it's a funny thing to say, because, of course, you have a camera with you. But still, oddly enough, I still say camera when I mean the DSLR, right? But, of course, yeah, you have a camera. You have several cameras on you if you have a smartphone in your pocket. So uh, I took the smartphone out, and the the optics got me close enough to the flowers, so... I waited for a few seconds and then as soon as a bee came into the frame or a bumblebee, it, it was right where I wanted it and I fired away a, a 10 frames per second burst for a couple of seconds. And then in the end, I went through those and cho chose the one I, that worked and tossed the other ones. And then I on the phone, I imported that into Lightroom Mobile and then I cropped it and did a bit of like contrast correction back on my iMac, where when I returned home, the photo was already waiting for me there. And that's the photo for this episode. And, you know, while I still love my DSLRs, and while there's still plenty of situations where I can only get a specific shot with those, because they just do things that uh, other cameras still cannot do, having a bigger sensor and stuff... It's that level of convenience and integration that gets me every time. I mean, the bigger cameras have yet to master that. 
it's not only a, a matter of low light performance and true depth of field, as opposed to its computational counterpart, because that is moving along quickly. Uh, it will sooner or later come down to the, the amount of, of uh, friction to integrate photography into your life. It's probably already there. I mean, just look at the amount of photos that you take with your smartphone versus your bigger mirrorless or DSLR. And yes, of course, most, most of us nerds, <laughs> us photo geeks, will, will attach a different value to the photos that come out of the bigger camera because they are still often that little bit better, especially in challenging situations. But you know what? <clears throat> If the big companies aren't quick enough to innovate and to improve the, in, in that area of convenience, and I mean, that includes things that we're used to from smartphones, like over-the-air software updates. <laughs> If the big ones don't catch up, the smartphones will catch up on the optical side and in, they are well on the way to doing that. And what they cannot do with optical performance, they can do with computational performance and they are improving day by day. So if the big ones don't catch up, uh, the, the, the smartphones will eat the traditional photo company's lunch, which is actually already happening right now. I mean, if you look at the, the, the sales numbers, whoa, they are in a steep dive right now. So... Yeah, come on, guys. Come on, guys. Get it going. Uh, anyway, I'm happy with my little bumblebee on a sunflower shot taken with a phone. So that's the episode picture. Now, to, to talk a bit about this different approach to photography, I have someone with me today. Uh, she's one of my co-hosts on The Future of Photography, and she... She lives a life using her smartphone for photography almost exclusively. Welcome, Imar. Hi, Chris. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I'm not too bad. Not too bad. So we are um, co-hosts on The Future of Photography, which I'm very excited about. Um, you were one of the many people who sent in a, a casting tape, a short recording to, to us and... Yeah, we we picked you <laughs> and and <laughs> and Jeremiah, and uh, so we have four people on the future photography now in mixed combinations over time. So I think there's a lot of great potential there for all sorts of discussions. But um, just tell us a few words about yourself. Okay, um, I'm my name is Emer. I'm from uh, Tipperary in Ireland. Where in Ireland is Tipperary? Uh, southeast, Chris. Um, southeast. Sunny southeast, as we like to call it around here. <laughs> I think I've been in that in that general area. Yeah, it's it's pretty. You know, it's pasture land everywhere, mountains, trees, all the stuff I like. So I'm pretty happy here. Wonderful. Yeah, um, you'll have to come visit. You'll have to do one of your photography tours. Uh, there, there um, is there is one in the in the planning right now, which will probably take me back to Donegal and down the Atlantic coast. Oh my goodness! I think I'll have to um, <laughs> stow away in somebody's suitcase for that. Maybe, perhaps we'll see. So, when uh, when you heard the casting call, what made you go? Oh, I should probably send in something. <laughs> 
What made me send in the tape was um, you, you both said that you were looking for somebody different. And uh, as I would have been listening to the two of you <laughs> uh, for a little while, I um, sort of thought, well, you probably couldn't get any more different uh, from the two from the, yourself and Adrian than, than me. So um, I just I just did it before I could talk myself out of it. OK, because, um, I'm quite new to this. <laughs> well, but, uh, it's fun. It's fun. You do you do a podcast though. You're not I do a podcast. Yeah, I'm quite I'm quite new. I'm quite new to it. I've I've done a small bit of radio and as well. But um I've been sort of out of the loop for a while and this is completely different. Um my little humble podcast probably doesn't have as much of an audience as yours would, so it's a little bit daunting, you know. Yeah, don't worry about it. We are we are we're scared every time we record ourselves. You're so. not scary, so it's fine. <laughs> so so I mean I mean, yes, of course, we were looking for diversity. Um yeah. and on the other hand, I mean there's these two white dudes, middle-aged dudes <laughs> talking about photography. I couldn't really uh, imagine anything more like boring to do that. So uh, <laughs> what what is it what is the different thing that you bring to the table? Well, I suppose you know my my background is in film photography. That's how I learned, you know, to take photos. Um but over the years and especially when um I had kids, I have two kids. Um, just my time became, you know, more precious or scarcer as well. So I, I my life was revolutionized by the iPhone, dare I say it. And uh, I, I just began to take all my pictures with that. And it kind of it brought me back to doing what I loved. Um, and it's just so convenient, so easy. And then all the editing apps and everything. So I just developed a little bit of a a poncho for it, and um, I, all my photos are taken um, with my phone now. So, so that's why I'm different. But before that, you did not just shoot with film cameras, did you? No, um, I moved into digital with along with everybody else. But you know, when I learned initially, it was you know with a black and white film camera, dark room, process mm. your own film, you know, print your own pictures, and you know, I I really loved that. So. I do hope one day that I'll, I'll get to revisit that and do a little bit more on that line. But I have to say that the digital um, photography doesn't do it for me as much as, uh, you know, I would be much more inspired to go back and, and get a film camera than I would to, you know, start carting my DSLR around with me <laughs> did, all the did, time. Did you ever spend any time in, in a dark room? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It was one of my favorite places to be. I went through art college, so um, a lot of what I did was photography. That was what I really, my degree show uh, ended up to be um, based on the landscape and the figure moving in the landscape and um, just the dynamic movement against, you know, a still backdrop. I got a little bit carried away and um, I, I I did a lot of those type sh uh, shots for that lasted quite a while. And um, when I left college and the darkroom wasn't available to me so much anymore, then I fell away from it. And I tried, I tried, Chris, I actually got my own darkroom and I had it up and running um, just before I had my first child. And um, when he came along. And that changes everything. Yeah, absolutely. It just time wasn't there and it ended up being all put in boxes and it's now in the attic still. But, you know, it's, it's in the attic. Well, you still have it. 
You know, I made, have a, yeah, I made yeah. a big mistake when the whole digital uh, revolution came along. I I was such a fan of my old Minolta X700 and mm -hmm. I loved that camera to bits. And then when I was saving up for my first DSLR, I just sold my entire camera gear. <laughs> and uh, oh. just a few years later, I kind of regretted that. So... Um, mm -hmm. and then, and then when I started getting back into film photography, that started about 10 years ago, that's when a neighbor knocked on my door and, uh, he had this box with old film cameras in it. Oh, wow. And he asked me before, before I throw it out, would you have any use for that? And I opened wow. that box and in the box is an X700 and <laughs> lots of, oh, lots like of lenses. Christmas. <laughs> so the, it's, it's, it's like a Excellent. good old friend coming back. Mm, mm. And, and the, and the lack of time when children are there, yeah. I think many listeners can sympathize with that. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's one thing about your phone. It's always in your pocket. It's mm. on your person. It's somewhere. It's easy to grab. And, um, I mean, the quality of the cameras on phones now are so good that I mean you know it's, I, it's, it's easy I, I see this with myself being I, I have that tendency of kind of being a bit of a snob and oh looking down <laughs> on the on the phones and the bigger cameras with the bigger sensors uh, and yes of course mm. I mean you get more resolution out of the cameras and they have some technical advantages in certain situations but I had this one experience that was really kind of a revelation to me um, when I was up in Norway uh, in on the Lofoten Islands and mm -hmm. I I remember I was there before a photo a group of photographers came and I was there a couple of days early and one of the days I drove up uh, a road and I left my camera back in the hotel and yeah. I came past this was a little lake and it was very unusual um it was unusually calm there was no motion no air no nothing so that was like a mirror and it looked so amazingly good and i i hated myself for having left my camera back so i still got out i took the phone out and i took photos with the mm. phone and mm -hmm. then after this whole photo tour a couple of weeks later i finally went through uh, some photos that I hadn't gone through at the time and I came across the photos I took at that little lake and I looked at them and I thought didn't you take those but the, those are not phone photos they are there's DSLR photos because they were so crisp so good so yeah. wonderful in terms of the color and the and the quality. See, you were in the zone, so it didn't matter what camera you had. You and, were, and, and the photos you? themselves, even just the technical details on the photos were so amazingly good that I couldn't tell. I mean, I could tell because I knew how I took them, but yeah. I really had to had to look at the EXIF data to make sure they were not from yeah. my DSLR, which was, yeah, it was it? just amazing to see. So, Wouldn't that be a good um, test to put to somebody just to see you know what would they spot the difference make two uh, prints well yeah sure and and i mm. i do that when i put pictures on on Flickr, for example that mm. uh, every now and then i throw in a, a smartphone photo and 
It I've only just noticed that it doesn't make any a Flickr group, you know. actually. So I'd like <laughs> so, to join in that. <laughs> yeah, it do, doesn't, doesn't make a difference for most situations. Um, I just uh, was out in a field of flowers and I took some smartphone photos of a bee, a bee in a flower and I got relatively close and the bee, of course, moved. So I kept shooting a burst and that thing does a 10, sec, a 10 frames per second burst. So... Oh yeah. yeah, that's an excellent feature. Yeah, yeah, really, Amazing. really good. Yeah. Mm. So, so that's your only camera, or has been for um, how long? Well, I I still have my DSLR, but it comes out for special occasions, or if I happen to be asked to photograph anything, or you know, different. I I work in the art center here in town, so um, you know, openings and things like that, or exhibitions, I might take some photos with the, with the camera for that. But even those kind of events now are, I find I'm using the phone to kind of capture opening speeches or whatever. That would you know, be my next question. That would be my next question. Um, do you take the phone out because people expect that from, uh, uh, the, the, the DSLR out because people expect that from you? Because you I look more, I don't so. know, serious when you have a bigger <laughs> camera in your hand? Or why do you not use the phone I, for these occasions. I would say I you know I I think you're right I suppose. Um I'm not sure. I I'm I'm never sure how you know people will want to use like pictures that you would take of of an exhibition if if they're going to be used. Sometimes I make um promo videos for what's going going to be coming up and I use the still shots um to make them. So I, mean, I tend to use the the, the, the camera in those instances, but you know, as opposed to the phone, but yeah, for I mean, anything the, I do for myself. The one difference that you um, can still get most probably better with a with a bigger camera with a bigger sensor is uh, shallower depth of field. So, uh, but then, yeah, uh, but then, as the moment we look into how smartphones with, um, I, I think you still have a smartphone with just one camera, but uh, the newer yes, ones with I the do. dual cameras, they will now add uh, depth information and then simulate depth of field, which again is astonishingly good. And we're just at the beginning of that. Yeah, I just said that it's amazing. I was looking up um, one of the apps that we spoke about in the other podcast Um and and it's amazing. I just <laughs> it's making me feel like my phone's not good enough now. But I mean, you work with what you have. So, you know, I'll get over it. <laughs> you just made me jealous of your fancy phone. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's an episode we, we recorded and that'll be out uh, next week on the future photography mm. where we mm. just dive into a whole bunch of iPhone apps. Do do you shoot with a default camera, with a system camera, or do you shoot I do, with a, always, another app? Always, always, always with the default camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless I, I'm the hipstomatic camera is uh, the camera in itself. Then this is this is what, the only. When when we recorded the other episode, this is what uh, I found amazing because I thought I thought hipstomatic wasn't there anymore because it's it's kind of the <laughs> grandfather of the camera slash filter apps uh pretty much i think hipsomatic really kicked off that wave of interesting unusual right, yeah, cameras yeah. that they they kind really of simulate analog cameras yeah they really seem to suffer as a company but they are definitely starting to hold their own i think it's a much smaller operation nowadays but 
Um, yeah, I still love it anyway, and I'm sure there's plenty like me. Hipstamatic, <laughs> and then the I think Instagram then took over. It did. That probably, probably, you know, put the nail in the coffin for them a little bit. Um, just it was bad timing, I suppose, the way it all happened. But um, I think, you know, you were saying about the shallow depth of field, um, anything, you know, that like that, you can kind of achieve afterwards in an edit. So I don't I wouldn't get too, you know, hung up on you're not getting hung up on, on that. those kind of I don't get hung up on those things, you know. You work with what you have. That's that's the whole, you know. So I mean, I've in, just gotten used to. In the end, that, that is way. probably also a big part in what 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 creativity is. You work with what mm. you have. Limitation mm -hmm. is always a good a good booster for creativity. Definitely, definitely, yeah. So you are a new member of the Future Photography, and uh, that's Adrian. That's you, that's Jeremiah, and that's myself now. So uh -huh. I think we are uh, going to make a quite interesting team. And interesting dynamics. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm already in the process of uh, beginning to uh, schedule an episode with uh, you and Jeremiah on it. So Okay, very good, very good. It'll be interesting, be. I haven't spoken to Jeremiah yet. So. Exactly, we're just like trying, and, and the time zones, of <laughs> course, could cause their own issues with, yeah, with us yeah. now being in three different time zones. But Well, um, I, can, I can do late nights if you're prepared to um, listen to my croaky nighttime, <laughs> like after midnight voice. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll figure everything yeah. out. So, yeah. um, again, Imar, thank you so much for, for being a part of this. Welcome to the club. And everyone, if, if you're interested in hearing more of Imar, we are all over at thefuturephotography.com. You can find that, of course, in, your, in, your, in, in the same place where you find all your other podcasts. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, thanks for being a part of this. Uh, thanks a million, Chris. Thanks for having me. And this week's episode is supported by HoneyBook. When you dreamt of starting your business, did you dream about all those admin tasks like drafting proposals and contracts and tracking down payments? I know I didn't. This is the worst part of my business. If that wasn't part of your vision, you need HoneyBook. HoneyBook is an online business management tool that organizes your client communications, bookings, contracts, and invoices all in one place. HoneyBook makes it simple to run your business better. Professional templates, e-signatures, and built-in automation keep everything on track and HoneyBook can even consolidate services you already use like QuickBooks, Google Suite, Excel, MailChimp and Gmail. No wonder it's the number one choice for client and business management for freelance and business owners. And right now, HoneyBook is offering our listeners 50% off when you visit honeybook.com slash topfloor. Payment is flexible and this promotion applies whether you pay monthly or annually. Go to honeybook.com slash topfloor for 50-50% off your first year. That's honeybook.com slash topfloor. Hi Chris, this is Oliver from Munich. I do have a question regarding travel organization. On my last vacation, we've been visiting Romania. This is a different time zone as Germany. It took me some days to switch the time zone on my two camera bodies. And after returning to Germany, the same procedure. It's quick and easy to fix in Lightroom, but however, it's annoying. So my question to you is, 
Do you have a checklist you execute before and or after any travel? I mean, backup, lens cleaning, battery health check, memory card check, time zone adjustments, and so on. Hmm. If you've got something, maybe you want to share this with us. Uh, thanks a lot for the show, and uh, please keep on podcasting. Thanks, Oliver. Bye -bye. Thank you. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's easy to forget a few things when you travel. Um, for example, changing the time zone. And I do forget that. And then the time is off. It's uh, not a good thing. Um, and both of my DSLRs have GPS built in. So you would think I would that would be easy, right? You just leave the GPS on, the camera switches to the GPS time when you arrive, and then everything is automatically sorted. Unfortunately, that's not how it works. Because I will take the first batch of photos in the airport, on the way, and depending on the buildings around, it might just take a while for the camera to pick up the GPS signal and then switch the time. Cameras aren't that fast, at least not the ones I use. Uh, which would result in a por portion of my photos being at the wrong time and a portion being on the right time, making this kind of an inconsistent mess. <laughs> also, GPS can be kind of battery hungry when I tra and when I travel I, I can't really have that you know so I prefer to do that manually which uh, by the way going back to smartphones yeah quickly acquiring GPS is another thing where smartphones are incredibly good I mean I think Apple introduced that with what they call a GPS assisted GPS which takes other things into account so you get this information so quickly um And smartphones are so much better than most of our cameras in this respect. So they really have a leg up in, in more and more areas. But yeah, setting time is something that I often have to fix after the fact. And that becomes even more important when, when I shoot with two cameras because, you know, they kind of should be in sync for my editing to make sense because I typically sort by the time the photo was taken. So yeah, it is, uh, it's difficult um, but yeah, the general question, what kind of travel preparations would I do? I do have other travel preparations, of course. And having done that for 10 years now, um, like more, more regularly, um, mostly my, my preps are about making sure I don't forget something important. <laughs> and, uh, because yeah, I have arrived in locations and then went, oops, that, there was an important cable I haven't don't have with me and then good luck finding a store somewhere in the middle of uh, the arctic and for that i have a lengthy travel checklist and that has saved my butt so many times i'm uh, using the just simple basic onboard stuff like the reminders app on ios and on, on the mac um, so i have that with me on the smartphone and on the mac and it's in sync and that list is has grown to almost 90 items by now Uh, no, okay, that is not all camera related. And that is the entire travel checklist from clothes to tickets to currency. Um, but then, yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of photography things on there too. And really, pretty much everything at this point. Um, so, yeah, passport, well, that's not camera related, but, you know, chargers, cameras, batteries, uh, laptop, power supplies, smartphone chargers, power banks, plug adapters memory cards, card reader, cable for card reader. Yep, that's a separate item. Uh, audio recording equipment, again, with 
sub items lenses tripod tripod plates again separate item because i had i had times when i had a tripod but not a tripod plate with me i mean i, I go to a very high level of detail because the devil is in the details and uh, since i've made this list my travel preparations have become so relaxed because I just go through the list and it takes me, I don't know, an hour or two and then everything's together. Maybe three, but um, that really depends. And that list gets, of course, refined all the time. It's a living list. Um, if I replace something with something else, um, let's say I have two single taskers and I can find a, a multitasker that does both of those things, then I will, of course, reflect that in the list. Uh, I will add things as they come to mind. Uh, but yeah, the main purpose of that list is to make sure I do not forget anything essential. Uh, the, the list even has change camera time zones on it. But, you know, as I sometimes take pictures on the way to the airport and on the trip, and I kind of want to keep that part of uh, in the old time zone... I usually defer that to arriving in the different time zone and then I promptly forget. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Again, happens all the time. And uh, and there's a trick there's a trick though that uh, that I've come to do which is really really simple and it is to uh when does when I arrived sometime after I arrived I will take both of the cameras and I will take a photo of a clock again with both cameras doesn't have to be at the same time um, and then later I go into Lightroom and Lightroom can allow uh, allows you to select a bunch of pictures and then uh, do a relative change or or tell it to set the picture on onto a new time it, which is the metadata inside um, that gets changed uh, it's a Lightroom catalog intern it's not the actual exif data of the picture but it's uh, in, in lightroom catalog and uh, then it will adjust all the, the other selected pictures relative to that one so all you have to do is take a picture of a clock with second handle uh, or seconds <laughs> does anyone still know what a handle is on a clock <laughs> so yeah you, you take a picture uh, with the clock that displays the seconds and then in lightroom you select all the pictures in that time zone and you tell it, and, and with that one as the main selection, of course, the clock picture as the main selection, and then you tell Lightroom to adjust the time to that time, and then everything else is going to be adjusted relative to that. And yeah, I do this with both cameras separately. And uh, yeah, it, it just makes it so much easier. And it brings every, everything into sync. Uh, so I'm not too worried about changing the time zone on my camera and I do not change it in the middle of the tour that's kind of the important thing keep it consistent so if I do not do it right at the beginning for all my cameras then I will just not do it right I will just go in and uh, do that change it later method um, but then yeah there's one thing and not, nothing with time zones there's one thing that I will always prepare for a new tour and that is the Lightroom catalog on my laptop because I still use my laptop mainly. And uh, first of all, I clear out old stuff that I don't need on there anymore. And that takes up valuable space on the SSD. And every byte on there helps, trust me. 
Uh, I have a sec. I have an external SSD that uh, holds backups and stuff, and that one gets cleared as well. Of course, only clear things that you have in your main catalog, and it's in the backups and stuff. Uh, don't think I need to say that. And then second, and that's kind of the key that also takes a lot of stress out of things. I'll create a collection set for the new location. That's like, I have that sorted by year, so that there would be a 2007 and then a collection, uh, 2007, 2019, and a collection set for Kyrgyzstan. And then under that, there would be collections, um, several smart collections to filter by number of stars and so on. That helps me organize my photos. And that's just, a good preparation because everything will run smoother because I have these things that are consistent between the different tours. And the other thing, most important, I will create an import preset. And I guess most software can do that for you, most catalog kind of software. Um, and I use Lightroom Classic. And, and uh, if you import into Lightroom Classic, which which is what I use, then you can create a preset that will be applied during import. And I use that exclusively to add metadata to the photos. I don't change the photos. I don't do any exposure and stuff like that. It's for the metadata. And uh, the photos get that applied during import. And that includes like, basics like my name and my address and email address and copyright information, and my website, just the basic stuff. So if the photo is out in the wilds, uh, someone can at least find that information if they're interested in it. Uh, but most important, this import preset includes the keywords for the tour, the basic keywords that apply to the entire tour. Again, uh, in June, the last tour was in Kyrgyzstan, and those keywords were uh, photo tour, Kyrgyzstan, Central Asia. That's it. And every photo that I did import during that tour did automatically have those keywords well pre-populated during the import in the dialogue and then I would just add one or two more uh, to add some more detail maybe the event that the photos were taken at or a more specific location and that helps me keep consistency in my catalog and in the end it helps me find things better because there is this consistency so yeah that i mean yeah instead of typing that stuff in every single time i import some photos hey it's already there every photo gets it and then i have to of course <laughs> remember to take that uh selection out to 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 not when i return home to not have lightroom automatically apply that metadata because i'm taking pictures here in the garden <laughs> of flowers and kyrgyzstan is not the right metadata for that so yeah that's uh, the only thing i have to remember but um that works really well so if you take one thing if you take only one thing from this have a checklist and then try to automate as much work and as much of the editing, sorting, management work as you can up front. So you have more time to enjoy your photography while you're there. And if uh, you have any questions you'd like me to look into or uh, or give you my opinion on, record them on your, on your phone. And there you have a voice memo app. Use that. Record a question and send it to voice at tfttf.com.
And there we are at the end of the episode. Thanks so much to Honeybook for supporting this show. And thanks to every one of you for spreading the word about this show. You are spreading the word, right? <laughs> anyway, of course, if you like this episode, you can buy me a coffee at tfttf.com slash coffee or consider joining the ranks of all those amazing patrons over at tfttf.com slash Patreon. Here's the list of the smart and good-looking patrons who actively support this episode. Jeremy Kirvin, Jeffrey Block, Alex Kroser, Bernard Goldberg, Daniel Hertrich, Doug Gabbard, Ken Davidson, Matt Armstead, Peter Morrow, Scott Wurzel, Tom Stewart, Eran Pinasov, Stu Silberman, Alan Bruce Horn, Andrew B., Anthony, Patek Boski, Chadley Clark, Chandra, Christopher Greenhill, Dave Smith, David Recht, Eng Kyung, Francesco Scaglioni, Greg Anastasio, Holger Krupp, James Trimble, Jim Caldwell, John Donahue, Josh Hopko, Jasmi AMR, Ken Berrien, Kyle Nishioka, Marvin Aaron, Michael Grunert, Peter M. Swedling, Rob Duber, Robert Goschko, Ryan Gilio, Sina Farad, Steven Sandler, Thomas Nielsen, Trevor Palmer and Woody. Thank you all so much. And if you want to hear your name here at the end of the show, consider joining this wonderful group of awesome people at tfttf.com slash Patreon. Thank you so much. Music for the show by Jeff Smith, sound partner and Hans-Peter Kagerud, publishing and Slack challenges by Release Pixie, Matt Rafsitar, Armstead, Slack invitations by... Chief Invitation Officer, CIO Rusty Russ. And again, the Slack, if you're not a member of it, hey, you should be. This is an awesome community with lots of interesting topics and talks. Go to tfttf.com slash yslack, W-H-Y-S-L-A-C-K, to get access. My name is Chris Marquardt. You'll find me on social media at Chris, M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T. Go out and take amazing photos, share them with the world, be nice to each other, and happy shooting. <laughs> <laughs>